Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Hello, folks. This is David Thompson. I am the Director of Education at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. And this afternoon, like for most everybody right now here on the 16th of March, 2020, it is COVID-19, which is on everybody's mind, and it is a huge issue. So uh, for you folks that are joining me, if you will, please, uh, if you have something that you want to talk about, in order to uh, get live on the air with me, I'll need you to type in something as far as a question, letting me know that you want to talk about the subject at hand. Uh, this way we can all get our questions answered and uh, talk through here as we talk this afternoon. Now I want to tell you, we are sponsored, or if you will, powered by Gem Supply. They are a distributor of uh, cleaning goods in Central Florida. And uh, Bobby Zagers, the vice president of Gym Supply, was supposed to be with us this afternoon. But as you can imagine, things are just a little hectic, a little bit, um, well, should I say, overrun at uh, their store. And so uh, I'm going to be live with you here this afternoon to talk through the issues that you might have in coming up. I see we've got probably about uh, 10 people listening. So unfortunately, uh, there will not be a conversation between me and Bobby. So I guess it's up to uh, you folks that are joining. Please type in a question for me uh, on the uh, chat box there. If you want to call in and talk with me live, um, please put your message there and I'll, uh, I'll connect with you. On a note of what is going on, well, as you can imagine, as far as distribution of products, which is what we were going to talk about this afternoon, you've probably heard that it is the issue of who would have guessed toilet paper. You know, if you're a supplier of janitorial goods, you never really get a run on toilet paper. But uh, I had the pleasure of being in uh, the Chicago area last week with some distributors. And uh, during the sessions that we were going through, uh, the president of one company said, you can't believe this. We have people lined up at our counter wanting to buy toilet paper because they can't get it at the grocery store. They can't get it at the local five and dime store, whatever, the dollar store. Um, it still is going on today, apparently. I just uh, got a message from Jim Supply that uh, over the last uh, few days, they've sold over 300 cases of toilet paper. Now, you might think that that's not a lot, and in some ways it isn't. However, it was a lot considering that that was not to their regular customer base. That was to 
just folks walking in off of the street wanting to say, do you have toilet paper that I can use at home? Uh, and it's still going on today. I don't know why we have this run on a product like this other than I guess everybody believes that all of a sudden their stores are going to close up and we're not going to have anything. So if you're in the supply business or if you're in the cleaning business, you've got to be thinking about this right now. And uh, here at the academy, we've been writing courses and putting courses together. Uh, people have been coming online and getting our courses. So uh, I guess I'm going to talk about that a little bit to start with. At the Academy of Cleaning Excellence, we've been doing something a little unique uh, for quite some time. Um, everybody has an online campus and we're no different. So if you want remote learning and you want to be able to take a course on professional development for the cleaning industry, it is certainly there available. Uh, if you're in front of your computer or maybe you're on your phone right now, what you want to do is go to academyofcleaning.com. Uh, you will find the online campus there on the left-hand side of the menu. You can go there. There's probably over 30 courses there that you can choose from. One of the topics, uh, of course, is the COVID-19. There was a two-hour recorded class that was, um, let's see, I think we did that about two weeks ago. There's also a uh, podcast that we do as you're on here. And if you go to our podcast channel, you'll be able to see some of the recorded sessions. Uh, did one with uh, Daryl Hicks last week. And uh, you can re you can get that. Uh, that's free of charge, by the way. As far as classes on the online classes, one of the other big popular ones is electrostatic spraying. You may have noticed in a lot of the social media that's out there and even the news media, people going around with a sprayer spraying um, the, the products. Thank you, gentlemen or, or ladies for joining with us. I see there's some more that just now joined. I see Jackie and Kathy and Alan and uh, Geraldo. Uh, thank you all for joining. If you have something there, just type it in there and uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, remember, this is live, so if you want to call in uh, and you're wanting to talk about the subject that we're talking about, which is COVID-19 and getting our supplies and doing the process, give me a call. As far as our two classes, those seem to be the topics of, of concern. Now, one of the other ones that has come up uh, that people had asked for is how to um, decontaminate student transportation vehicles. So uh, this past week, the Academy released a, a small course on that, uh, both for daily decontamination practices and also for weekly decontamination practices. Now also, uh, we're working very feverishly to put together a course and uh, should be up in the next 48 hours on the online campus as far as best practice protocol for, if you will, deep cleaning uh, against infectious uh, pathogens. Um, while people are closed down, uh, many schools are on spring break this week, but then of course schools are being closed all over the country here in the next um, week or two. We don't know how long this is going to last. And this is, I think, the scary part for most people is what if this lasts for you know, 30 days or 60 days. And I don't think that's where we're going, but 
if you look back at the toilet paper sales, maybe that's what everybody's gearing up for. Uh, we've heard things about, you know, people lining up for uh, money at the bank. And I don't think that we're talking about this kind of a thing. Although if you're in the cleaning business, I think it's interesting that while everybody else is being told to go home, stay home, uh, you know, have a cup of tea, get your chicken noodle soup out and take care of yourself. Us in the cleaning profession, what are we doing? Well, we're going into these environments and we're now uh, having to address the situation of how do we take care of these environments? Now, I, I think the one thing I want to talk about, since I have no common questions coming up here, so I'm just going to kind of rattle around here a little bit, folks. If you have a question or some direction you want me to go, please do so. But I think one of the things that I want to talk about this afternoon is the fact that we don't need to panic into what are we going to do. So for the workers out there, the frontline people that are going in to take care of these facilities, I want to talk about, well, here's, here's a question. Does bleach or vinegar kill the virus? I think the thing that you have to be concerned about here is we're talking commercial cleaning. We do not clean or we do not use bleach or vinegar in the commercial market. Uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about this afternoon is we have to be very careful about the products we're using in a commercial atmosphere. Now, if you're at home, that's a whole nother issue. I'll let you deal with your home cleaning the way that you feel necessary as we talk through this afternoon. First thing I want to talk about, though, is I think we need to be aware that before you go in to do any process, and this is commercial, of course, that we look at what is the risk. And I think this is one of the things that Daryl Hicks and I talked about at great length. Has there been a confirmed case in your environment that you're taking care of, that you're going in and processing? Has there been an infected person verified in that facility? If there has not, there is not a reason for you to go and what we call you know, dress up in the moon suit. I thank you for all the people that are on. I think we've got uh, probably, oh, it looks like we've got close to 20 people on board. Thank you for listening this afternoon. Now, I think the thing here is, is if there hasn't been a person there, the proper, the proper PPE that you need to put on is going to be, of course, gloves. Now, I here at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence always have to teach from best practice. Now, what gloves you choose to wear is your own, but I will always recommend nitrile gloves that go over the wrist. And uh, you, you know, you're going to use what you want to, but remember, uh, this is your life that you're talking about, so I think that we can all afford nitrile gloves. And if you're a distributor and you're distributing these goods, this is one of the things that we're having troubles with. Uh, everybody is having the same reasons to go get the same things. So I would say if you are working with a supplier, go and put your order in now. Uh, I know that Jim Supply in Central Florida is taking pre-orders for a lot of things that will still be coming in over the next couple of weeks. Now, along with your nitrile gloves, the other thing that you want to have is you want to have a mask. Now, what is the mask? And everybody says, well, what mask should I wear? The mask that you should be wearing is simply a paper or what we call a surgical mask. Uh, this is a lightweight mask that just goes over the nose and mouth. 
it does not fit extremely tight. It should be some somewhat tight. But remember, this is if there's been no exposure in that environment. And here's the reason that you want to wear the mask. This mask is worn to keep you from touching your nose and your mouth, which are entrance points for any contaminant that you come across. Now, remember, I'm going to be talking about this, not COVID-19 this afternoon, but all contaminants that your gloved hand is going to come in contact with. Because here's the fact of the matter. You touch your face 19 times an hour at at least, and there's many studies that say even more than that, but let's say just 19 times an hour. So that means in an hour of cleaning, regardless of whether you think about it or not, you're going to take your gloved hand and touch your face. So whatever that gloved hand came in contact with is now going to go to an entrance point. Any virus that's on the surface that you're uh, uh, taking care of, is not going to be of harm to you unless it gains entrance into your body. The reason that you're wearing the mask is simply to keep you from putting that virus from, or bacteria as it might be, or fungi, that you've come in contact, you're keeping it away from the entrance points. Now, of course, we can't put something over your eyes unless you want to wear goggles or a face shield. Now, the only reason you would do that, again, is to keep you from putting your hands and rubbing your eyes. Now you say, well, really do we do this? I guarantee you folks, I just flew back from uh, the Chicago area this past week and people were wearing masks. They had gloves on and then I was watching and, and you know, this is what I do. I watch people because this is what we do and we don't think about it. How many people were taking their gloved hand and wiping their face picking, well, you know, um, sticking their finger in their ear to clean their ear out. And they had the gloved hand on. They didn't wash their glove. They didn't take and change their glove. How many surfaces did they touch in the two hours I was sitting there at the airport? However, if they had the mask on, it wasn't coming into their, their, their mouth or their nose. Now, I, I see that one of you have asked about the N95. I'll get there. The second thing that you want to do as far as assessing the risk is has there been a person in that built environment that you are now charged to take care of that has been confirmed but is no longer there now if that be the case a couple of things that you want to do you want to still have the gloves on you want to have uh, the mask on you probably want to have the face shield or goggles and you want to have the um, uh, gown. Now, the other thing is in both of these cases, if there is visible body fluids on the floor or somewhere that you're going to be walking, like on carpet or something, you want to have the slip on foot protectors over your shoes. Now, in both of these cases, the mask that you're going to be using is going to be simply a surgical mask because at this point, nothing is airborne. Everything is on the surface. There is nothing in the air that you're going to be, uh, that is going to be coming at you. Remember, most of the viruses and the fungi and bacteria that we deal with are coming from a person doing two things. 
coughing or sneezing because typically with uh, these uh, coronaviruses of which I will also tell you uh, influenza, norovirus, and COVID-19 are all human coronaviruses. So that being said, all of these transmission points are through the droplets that come out of us as we sneeze or cough. So now they're on the surface, the person has left the facility, and now it's on the surface. Now we've got somebody that says, I can't get it through the air. Let me tell you, I'm gonna to go to the, the last point here. Remember, we're just assessing the risk as you're going into a building that has already been, well, uh, contaminated, if you will. If there is a person in the facility at the time that you're doing your processing, this is when you must wear the N95 mask not up until this point. So if, so I'm gonna go through this one more time. If you have went into the facility and there's been no confirmed case, no N95. If they have left the facility and they are not present, no N95. If they are present and you are there, then it is the N95 mask that you must wear along with the gown, the gloves, the boot covers, and the face shield. So now, is there a reason to wear anything more? So like you see some of the people with the taped up arms over their, their uh, gown, then this is whenever you see that somebody is in there. Now, I have a, a question here. Uh, how long does the virus last on a surface? For example, an elevator button. Thank you for the comment. Yes, you can get it from there because here's the thing. Remember, uh, and, and we teach this in a lot of our classes, folks, that a virus, and we're talking about all viruses or bacteria, so these infections from these pathogens can come from the surfaces we touch. So would it be a good thing to have somebody else touch the elevator button? Well, I don't really want to tell somebody else to go get ill, but if you want to protect yourself, um, do it with a, 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 a Kleenex or uh, uh, some kind of facial tissue in your hand, a barrier between you and it, and then throw the tissue away. And, and I say tissue, and this is a good point. If you think about an elevator button or any of these other contaminated surfaces, by the way, we call these surfaces that we touch, we call them fomites. We teach this in class all the time. These fomites that we're touching have all kinds of microorganisms on there. They are, they're, they're, there's food, there's moisture there. These viruses and bacteria can live on there in some cases for weeks. And it's simply because they continue to have food so they can live there. Understand, these are microorganisms. It doesn't take much to keep them alive. So when you're talking about an elevator and we're just thinking about a confined space or a restroom or an office, these confined spaces, think about if somebody has flu, influenza, or has COVID-19, they are going to have basically the same symptoms in the early stages. 
And what this means, they're going to be coughing and they're going to be sneezing. A cough and a sneeze has droplets of moisture. There are large droplets and there are fine droplets, especially in a sneeze. So if you have somebody sneezing in this area, then you are going to have a projectile, if you will, of small infectious particles that are going to fall on everything. Uh, up to 160 feet for the average sneeze. So in an elevator, I would say, yes, you could have not only the small droplets, but also the large ones. If somebody sneezes, somebody coughs in that elevator. So in the protocol that we've written for the schools, uh, especially for K through 12 schools, one of the first places that you service before you start the rest of your facility deep cleaning is the elevator. Because many schools now have multiple floors and the service personnel are taking their equipment, their trash cans, their uh, no-touch cleaning machines and going into the elevator to go to different areas. So the first thing you want to do, even though you've got your gloves on, is that you want to completely process that elevator before you go. Here's another key. Remember, whenever you go into an environment that you're deep cleaning, and this is what many people right now are going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've already had that comment at Gym Supply. Uh, people were saying, well, I need a whole bunch of this because now our team is in there. And uh, do you have, and this is the common question distributors are getting right now, do you have a certain item? And you can imagine what these items are. I would tell you this. Think of the way that a pathogen is going to travel through the building. It's already going to be on the surfaces. And, and so these pathogens are there. They're laying there. We've got to do something. I see somebody wants to call in. What you need to do before you try to call in is text me or give me a screen of what you want to talk about. And then I'll communicate with you if you want to talk with me live on the air. I appreciate that you want to. Just please give me a heads up as to what you want to talk about before you come on. Anyway, these contaminants are on the surfaces. Whenever our service personnel go into that facility, remember folks, the first thing that they must do is wash their hands. Then they put on their rubber gloves or their nitrile gloves or whatever protection that you're going to have them wear, depending on how they've assessed the building, as managers have assessed the building, then you want to make sure that they've got on the proper PPE. The first area that you want to process is the supply closet and the, um, the break room that the employees are going to be in, or if you will, the, the, the uh, I mean, you know, we call them all kinds of different things. The area where our service workers are going to be. Folks, this is the first area that you must process. And here's the reason why. You don't want to be going around the building doing all of your cleaning and your processing and then coming back there and picking up your items and going and sitting and having a break and then picking it up again and taking it back to where you were. So think through this. And this is how we've wrote our protocol that you'll be seeing that coming out this week is the first area that I take care of is the area where my service personnel are going to be coming to and from. The next area you service is the staff restrooms. Because while they're there doing their work, they're going to have to go to the restroom. The service, the restrooms that they are going to be using while they're there. That's your second area. 
The third area is going to be the elevators or staircases or a combination of both. These are the two areas where they're going to be moving to and from the many different floors and areas that they're going to be doing. You process these areas before everything else. And then we'll have a list of the, the steps of what to take. Now, you've heard me say process several times already this afternoon. And when we talk about processing, this is not cleaning. This is not disinfecting. This is what we've been doing, and this is the change in what you're going to have to do, folks. We are talking about decontaminating, deep cleaning an area, and almost every disinfectant that we are using today has a label on it that says it has to be pre-cleaned, and then it has to be disinfected. So what you're going to do is you're going to go through, and you're going to clean the surface. Now, how do we clean the surface? Depending on what it is, will depend on the process that you use. But what you'll need to make sure you do is you clean it. Now, what's cleaning? Cleaning is removal. In some cases, that can be microfiber and water. You're simply doing a physical removal and getting most of the bacteria, uh, most of the visible soil, getting the surface prepared for the disinfectant. Because what we're wanting to do is we're wanting the disinfectant to do the job that you purchased it for. And if you don't pre-clean it, the, the process cannot be uh, complete. After you've cleaned it and you've removed whatever is there, and remember, we're talking microbial stuff. This does not mean that I have to see it. You can't see the soils that inhibit disinfectants from working. So... Every surface that you're going to use a disinfectant on, it must be pre-cleaned. Now, once that you've used the cleaner, whatever cleaner it is, and we prescribe that that's a neutral cleaner, uh, folks, please don't just go get some uh, Windex and ammonia, and, and, and by all means, don't use bleach. These are not products that are uh, rated for doing what we're talking about here. What you want to do is re remove the soils that inhibit disinfectants uh, from working with a neutral cleaner. Once that's been done, then you apply your neutral cleaner, or I'm, I'm sorry, your neutral hospital grade EPA registered disinfectant. Now remember, I did say that, that was a big word. Hospital grade EPA registered disinfectant. Now, look on the label depending on what viruses, what bacteria, what fungi that you're after, it needs to sit for a period of time. I would advise you not to use trigger sprayers. Trigger sprayers atomize the disinfectant so that the service person is then going to breathe it. The best way that we have seen is by using some type of electrostatic sprayer. The reason for this is that it creates a, a charge to the product and will make it wrap around the surface better. If in fact you do not have an electrostatic sprayer, my advice would then be a pump up sprayer. Now, you're probably gonna ask, does the distributor have these? Jim Supply, if uh, Bobby was with me right now, would be telling you, not today. They have sold out of every electrostatic sprayer that they can get their hands on. There is pre-orders being taken uh, right now for their delivery in mid-April. So 
Uh, I have talked with a person in Toronto, Canada earlier this morning, and he is basically in the same situation. I don't know too many people that aren't in that situation right now. So pump up sprayer. This is usually about a two quart handheld uh, unit that you put your diluted uh, hospital grade disinfectant into. You pump it up and you spray it. Now this is going to spray out a larger droplet of product than a trigger sprayer. Remember what we're trying to do here is get as much disinfectant to the areas of concern. The problem with trigger sprayers is they just don't deliver enough and our service personnel can't use them efficiently. And so with a pump up sprayer, and if you go to the academyofcleaning.com, go to our YouTube channel, we have videos there that show you how to do that. The pump up sprayer will deliver more product, uh, less energy on the worker, we'll get more coverage. So on these surfaces that we can uh, put water on, we need to do that. If it's a certain area like the buttons on the elevator, you're going to put it onto your rag, uh, which we, we really advise you to use microfiber in all cases like this. Put it onto your cloth. If it is where you have the ability, you might use a charging system where you actually charge your cloths and they're pre-moistened so that you can just take them out of your charging bucket and go wipe. In any case, you're wanting to get this product onto the surface and let it sit for its 10 minutes. Now, I know I've talked about microfiber, pump-up sprayers, electrostatic sprayers, and yes, your distributor is challenged right now to help you with all of these. My advice, get your orders in as quick as you can, get in the queue because this isn't going to go away and you will use these products long after coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 has left the media. That's not going away, it will be with us forever. Uh, it, it's not like a virus that we're going to eradicate, we're gonna control it. And this is our job in infection prevention is to minimize the exposures that people have and by the processes we're just talking about. I know I'm talking pretty fast. I hope that you're keeping up with me. We are recording this. So for you, if you wanna go back over this, it will be available on uh, recorded here on Beyond Clean with Jim. Jim Supply is our sponsor for today's live podcast. Uh, it is, uh, unfortunately, uh, as we said earlier, for those of you that have just joined, Bobby Zegers is so busy with handling all of the sales that are happening at their store that he wasn't able to jump on the line with us this afternoon. But, uh, you know, if we can get him uh, onto another one and maybe record it for a later uh, broadcast, we will. Jim Supply has been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. So you see that's been over 90 years now. And here we are with coronavirus, COVID-19. You know, I have a little um, uh, trademark phrase I put on my business cards, folks. I don't know if you've been able to see it, uh, but it says, I am a janitor and I save lives. Now, I can only say that about me, but I think that we probably all can say that about ourselves right now in the environment that we're talking about. If we do our jobs right, we will minimize risk to people. And, you know, we don't know if we saved a life, but we certainly are doing what we can to keep them from coming in contact with these infectious pathogens. Now, we've talked about the electrostatic, the pump-up sprayer, the microfiber, and these are on the touch points that we're going to be touching. 
Now, what do we do when it comes to floors and to carpet? And I think that's some of your stuff that you might be thinking about. Well, the first thing that we wrote in the protocol is we need to look at, as just like we did with everything else. Hello, Mike. I'm not sure what you have in a question there, but go ahead and type a question in there. I'll be glad to talk about it. The, the thing when we're talking about hard floors, we want to look at what type of floors are going to be retaining our infectious uh, diseases. And this would be grout. Any floor that has grout or any floor that is a natural stone surface, then we would want to be looking at it. In other words, we're talking about a surface that hasn't got a coating on it. If we have a surface that doesn't have a coating, that is going to be a surface that is going to, well, hold infectious pathogens. So you want to go in and process those. Now, as we just talked, processing. Anytime I say processing, folks, during this podcast, I want you to understand that what I'm talking about here is cleaning followed by disinfection. And I'm, the last part of processing is going to be rinse. So if you go in and you clean it, you apply the disinfectant, it's set there for 10 minutes. My advice is we want to rinse that. It's just like if you took your dishes and you were uh, going to uh, take and put them in the sink of soapy water. And you're going to wash all of the stuff off of there and pre-clean it, right? You're going to scrub that with your soap and your water. Now, you wouldn't take the dish out of the sink, dry it with a rag, and put it back on the shelf to put your new bacon and eggs on. You're going to rinse it. You do the same thing with your laundry. It goes through the laundry machine. It launders with a detergent. It works through there. Both of these have rinse cycles. Your dishwasher has a rinse cycle. Folks, this is the thing that you've got to understand. When we go into deep clean and to control pathogens, this is not just something that we're going to do a lick and a promise or do a quick run through. We're talking about the buildings closed down and we've got to take care of this and do our very best practice that we can. So this is why I say rinse that surface. Now, for those of you that are listening, if you would want to, there's also the last step of which I'll tell you about right now before we get into the floors because we're touching, talking touch points right now. I always advise, and you'll have to look to find out where you can get these, is a barrier product. This will be a product that I can take and put through my electrostatic sprayer or my pump sprayer, and I could spray on that rinsed surface that I've already processed that would have a residual kill factor. There's a number of them out there. There are all kinds of them. My number one ones that I would recommend would be a probiotic or a silver ion technology. And there's others out there as well. But those would be the first two that come to mind that you'd want to look at from your distributor. So pre-clean, disinfect, rinse, and then put on some type of a barrier that would be best practice. This is what you'll be seeing from us uh, later this week that'll be coming out from the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. Now, we've talked about all of the touch surfaces. We're gonna talk about the floors for just a moment. As I said, if we've got that floor that has grout or it's a stone floor, a cement floor, terrazzo floor, if these floors don't have a coating on them, then your infectious pathogens have penetrated in we want to go in and, and process those. 
the academy has classes on uh, restroom cleaning. That's where we cover those types of floors. Processing these is typically not done with an acid. Acid is the last thing you want to do. On the other hand, high alkaline products are not what you want to use on grout. You want to use your neutral cleaners. And here again, it would be processing this the same way as we did the other surfaces. Pre-clean, apply the disinfectant, then rinse the floor, and then put on the barrier cleaner. We would do it the same way. Now, here's the only thing is on my uh, hard surface floors. We promote the use of an auto scrubber as many times as possible. These machines put down our solution, they scrub it, they vacuum it. And here's the biggest thing. Mops are your enemy, folks. On these types of floors, mops should not be used, especially in a deep cleaning situation. We always want to put our product on, scrub it, and vacuum it off. It is the vacuum removal with a good squeegee that is going to give you the best kill factors. Now, I know I said kill factors. I'm going to touch on that here before we leave. I know we've been on here for about 45 minutes. Uh, I'm going to get off here in about another 10. Here's the thing. When it comes to carpet, we can't see what has been in there. And the, here's the issue that we teach in all of our classes is that on carpeted floors, it's dry extraction. Best practice that we have found is a dual counter-rotating brush system to dig down in and remove as much dry soil. And this is the key thing. Just as we did pre-cleaning with the other surfaces I talked about this afternoon, we want to do that with our carpet. Do not just run in and throw liquid on the carpet and try to suck it out. Because what's going to happen is you're going to leave all the pathogens in the carpet. Yes, you took some and poured them down the drain, but you didn't get anywhere as close to what you need to. And here's the reason why is because your liquids can't attach to that amount of soil. So by all means, pre-clean. Now, we use a particular type of system, and I'm not here this afternoon to sell you a particular type of unit. But what I am saying is counter-rotating, dual brush, and what happens is these are overthrow units. So it's throwing all of the dirt and the debris into trays. There's no vacuum. So what we're doing is we're not then putting things into the air for the worker to breathe. We're keeping it contained right down on the floor. It goes into the trays. You dump the trays. You put them back on. You do this on that carpet until there is nothing that comes back into that tray. Then, and only then, do you start your wet or your low moisture cleaning of the carpet. Because what we do is typically what we do is we don't remove enough of the dry soil before we start using the liquids and therefore we're not removing as much as we should. Folks, I appreciate all of the people that are on. I can see, I can't even count how many people are on. I was hoping that somebody would chat with me, but that's okay. Uh, I can see there's probably people have come and gone. There's still probably about 20 people online. Thank you very much. Hopefully it's been informative for you this afternoon. Now, there's only one last thing I kind of want to go through and you probably want to talk with your distributor about this is in all of this, we do all of our work and, and you use the protocol that you need to, the, the tools that you have, whatever you can get your hands on to do it in the right way. How do you know what you're doing is the best you can do?
And I think this is the last part of this that we must do. All of the processes that we've talked about this afternoon are best practice. But how do I know if my best practice is achieving the kill factors that I believe I should be? If you will, the outcomes. So in our protocol, we always recognize that we must have some type of measurement. Now, there's a couple of different things that we do show and we do talk about. And the first one would be using uh, invisible markers. These markers can be what a supervisor or a lead would go around and mark certain surfaces that they have identified that needs to be processed. That marker, if it has been removed, will not show up under UV light. If in fact it does still show up under the UV light, we know our service worker hasn't completed the task according to what we need, and that tells you that it needs to be serviced again. On the other hand, that only teaches us what has been done, not the quality of what has been done. So I like to further say if we're doing, if we're measuring outcomes, it should be using an ATP meter. Adenosine triphosphate is what this meter is measuring. And for those of you that may not know this that's online with me, that is going to be a meter that tests the energy cell of all living microbes. Not bacteria, not fungus, not virus. It's not that sophisticated. But all of those things I just mentioned are living organisms. So what this meter does is it simply tells us, have we been effective? There's protocol on how to use them. And if we're going in this time where we're talking about removing as much viruses that can infect and cause disease, we want to be able to quantify by measurement the outcomes of our processes. So one of the things that you've got to do here at the very end is after you do this, now you probably want to do this testing. If you've never done this, you always want to do the testing before the process is started and then after the process has ended. And that would be the after the rinse before we have put on our barrier product. The barrier product will give you a false reading. So you always want to do this before you start your process, the pre-cleaning, and after the rinse. And that's the way you're going to get the numbers. And so the thing here, what you're going to do is during the week or two or three that is coming up, if you have these ATP devices, then what you can do is you can chart how you're doing. So maybe after the first day, you test what you did, and you don't like your results. So maybe you change a few things. You go get a better microfiber, or maybe you get a different disinfectant because the one that you had didn't work. Work with your supplier, work with that distributor that's helping you with this. They're used to this. This is what they're educated for. If you don't have that, get with them. And if you need help, if you need some advice and you need some direction, by all means, this is what the Academy of Cleaning Excellence is here for. I've got just a couple of minutes before we got to get off of the air for this afternoon. I want to tell you that we are sponsored by Jim Supply, where they've been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. Now, one of the things I want to also tell you is that we have remote learning. We've been doing this for quite some time, not just with our online campuses, but also I want to tell you that we have what we call live virtual classes.
So what you can do is you can go on to our website, look for the live classes. If you find one that is originating out of Orlando, out of my studios in Orlando, that also has what it says streaming. Streaming means that I will be able to turn on our webcam. You will be able to join the class in session. The only thing you can't do is get your hands on the tools and equipment. But hey, during this time, remote learning, uh, you can ask questions. The only thing that you need on your end is a webcam and a computer. And you can join us live on any one of those classes. So folks, during this time, please work with us. We're here to help you. We would love to share what we're doing. Uh, share some thoughts that you have with us here at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence and Gym Supply. We'll be glad to help and work with you. If you have a question or uh, something that you think about after this podcast is over, please shoot me a line. My email address is dthompson at academyofcleaning.com. I'll get back with you. We've been taking orders for supplies. We've been taking orders for classes. Yes, it's a challenging time for all of us, but we're here to help you save lives. And I think that's probably all I've got for this afternoon. My time is up. I appreciate you spending your time with me this afternoon on a Monday afternoon. Hopefully this has been helpful. Sorry that Bobby couldn't be with us, but uh, I'm sure that we'll get him on at some time when things slack up a little bit. I will be recording this and putting it out so that other people can listen to it. So if you missed some of this this afternoon and you want to review the whole thing, please get in touch with me. Look at our uh, recorded shows. We've got a number of them. Thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate those people that had uh, come on and all the people that are on there still. I've got another podcast to do in about 10 minutes. So I'm out of here for today. You have been listening to another episode of Beyond Clean with Jim. This is episode 15. We've got more that we'll be doing through the year. I'm going to be out of here, but I want to tell you, like, share, enjoy everything that we do on all the social media outlets. You know what they all are. But by all means, whatever you do, folks, make sure that it is healthy, positive, and proactive. I'm out of here.